Hello and welcome to the Voice of Manhattan Business. I'm your host, Andre Archambault. On this weekly show, we explore the issues and challenges facing businesses in Manhattan. We cover everything here from taxes to land use to loads of tips and tricks to help grow your practice, your business, or your life. First off, a little information about me, and then we'll get right to my guest. Uh, I've been working in the media business for over 20 years, and as of this month, I'm an official Manhattanite for 20 years, but I've been around the city my whole life. Uh, I work for a company called Reach Local, which is a digital ad agency for local business. I also host a mostly weekly show dedicated to the greatest music ever made called New York Standard, where you'll hear songs from the jazz world, Broadway, cabaret, and of course, standards. But enough about me. Let me introduce you to today's guest, attorney Harry Konst. He's the managing partner of Konst Law. Harry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, good morning, uh, Andre, and congratulations for taking over this show. I'm really looking forward to listening to all your episodes. Oh, thanks so much. Um, just to start off, uh, my name is Konst, and the, the reason that for the name of the firm is it's a family firm. It was started in 1949 in a little town called Buffalo, New York, upstate New York. Oh, gosh. Sure, of course. Started by my dad. Uh, my brother and I are both attorneys, and we have a number of associates in Buffalo. And uh, when my dad was 70 years old, I told him, look, Dad, I'm going to keep the law firm open in Buffalo, uh, even though I've lived all around the country. I'm going to keep the law firm open in Buffalo and oversee it uh, as long as you're alive. And uh, he's 92 right now. I really had no clue that he'd live this long, but uh, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very happy he did, obviously. And, um, you know, it's getting to a point where we need to be concentrating more of our efforts around the country, and we can go into that in the near future. But uh, it's a general practice law firm, emphasis on real estate, business, and litigation. Okay. And, uh, you know, when you, when you take out, I don't mean to imply the scales of justice, but when you take out the scales, you know, what, what kinds of things are you working on more? Is it, uh, is it more real estate? Is it more? Inv- fill us in. In New York City and Manhattan, in our Manhattan office, we do primarily real estate and business, business startups. Um, we represent banks in their closings, transactional. We represent okay. developers in all sorts of uh, areas of their needs, including financing. And we represent business owners, especially startups right now. It's a, it's a very big uh, part of the business industry. Okay. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, um, it, it's kind of funny when, um, when I think about the, the, the landscape, um, the business landscape. It seems like there's never been before, never before been such a spate of uh, startups and opportunities around new ideas, new concepts, new, new certainly the technology. You know, I know that we discussed some of the technology that's allowing us to do this show. Uh, Twenty years ago, this technology didn't exist. The structure, the superstructure, or the infrastructure existed, but the actual capability did not. And so, it it, it makes sense to me. Uh, that uh, that startups would be uh, uh, now are they mostly I mean are, are they mostly the sort of sexy startups that you think of you know uh, when you when you watch a show like Shark Tank or any of those or is it you know is it is it in your mind is is uh, um, is the startup more um, uh, you know small business those kinds of things well the startup uh, it's a, the full gamut 
of startups. It's limited by your own creativity or the creativity of our clients. You know, when I say that I represent certain types of businesses and everything, we really cater to the individual that walks in the door and we cater to their needs. And so if it's a small startup, it might be something like buying a couple of franchises, uh, something as simple as that. Or it could be a, a whole business built around developing an app for your phones. So, I mean, the full gamut and we address our needs and our attention to what the clients are looking for. We try to identify the legal issues involved, create a structure that's going to protect them and allow that allow proper growth. And uh, then we service that client. We attend to their needs on a daily basis uh, for some clients. Uh, it's, it's very intensive at times and we have a good staff and very well experienced uh, lawyers that address these issues so all in between um i know that you you, you mentioned buffalo you mentioned um uh new york city uh did, did you also tell me that you that you have a presence out on the west coast as well yes absolutely in santa monica california uh, we we offer legal services specifically for the foreign national who's coming to the United States, investing money in a new startup. It's under the Jobs Act. It has to create uh, 10 jobs. It's referred to as the EB-5, uh, which stands for Employment-Based 5 type of program. And it's a visa program. Uh, when someone comes in with a half a million or a million, depending on the circumstances and the needs, uh, what they do is they present a petition or an application to the government and they propose the new business that they're going to be starting up. And with that, they have to show how they're going to create 10 new American jobs. And once that petition is approved, they get, uh, the application is approved. What they get is immediately they get temporary visas for themselves and their families. And so that's a huge advantage, especially for foreign nationals that want to come to the United States and who value American education uh, so much that that becomes almost uh, their, their highest priority, uh, more so than the visas, is to allow their children to get into some excellent schools. I partner up with uh, a gentleman uh, who's Taiwanese. Uh, he also he speaks Taiwanese, Cantonese, and Mandarin. Oh, wow. And he, he addresses those needs for those clients. So uh, in Los Angeles, though we concentrated there initially with the investors coming in there because I primarily represented the Taiwanese, they approached me to do this. They want to be in that area. They want to be in the San Gabriel Mountain uh, area, Pasadena, that, uh, that area of, of Los Angeles. Okay. However, they're also branching out, and this program is available to all countries, even though it's, it's highly utilized by mainland China as opposed to Taiwan. Ah, interesting. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, I think this was in the news a couple weeks ago when uh, members of the Trump family were in, in China trying to convince uh, – uh, all these investors, I think there were a thousand of them, to invest five hundred million dollars in a, a real estate development in New York City. Uh, so okay. That funds a lot of the growth, and uh, we kind of bring that program to New York also. So we're convincing the the Taiwanese to invest in New York. Hence, they invest in new businesses. Hence, more uh, options for financing for these startups. Okay. Uh, and and do you. Um... Uh, uh, would would you say that the um, uh, that the segment uh, of of business that you're getting out of that what types of businesses are available? Is it primarily real estate? Is it uh, 
Um, is it technology? Because when I when I think of California uh, and startups, I, I I go a little further north uh, of 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 uh, Los Angeles and and go into the my my mind thinks of um, the Silicon Valley um, and that sort of hotbed of of um, uh, of development. Is that is well, is that the side of the the ledger that you guys are on, or is it? Primarily, there's no doubt that that is where the primary emphasis of startups and startup funding is. However, there's a, there's a huge competition building up in the state of California, with Los Angeles, for example, and San Diego and other cities drawing from people who maybe can't afford San Francisco anymore. It's the it's the most expensive market in the United States. Yeah, uh, New York true. and L.A. are not far behind, but as a result, it's attracting people. Um, here in Buffalo, New York, I was at dinner the other day. I just flew in for some uh, litigation, and I met this gentleman who, who moved from California. And I asked him, you know, what brought you here? And he says, affordability. He says, it's just a, an amazing place to start a family, first of all. that's mm. Those are the strong points here. Uh, but, you know, he could have picked New York City, which had been very similar, or Boston, or other cities. You'll see these, uh, you know, these startups and the, the money being addressed towards technology, I think it's a tremendous uh, change that's occurring in the business environment in the United States as we're, mm. of course, when losing manufacturing jobs left and right, I think they're being uh, supplanted with uh, or by technology jobs. And I think that's a wonderful sure. thing. It's, it's, and and, and it benefits everybody. It, it benefits society. I mean, yeah, look at look at things like Uber and Lyft, and how would we have those things without technology? No, it's very true. You know, I, I had a conversation. I don't know. I, I want to be upfront here because obviously this is very, uh, this is a very, uh, I wouldn't quite say hot button, but it's certainly a very germane issue to Manhattanites, New Yorkers, etc. Uh, I had a conversation, and I have not had a chance to research uh, the the accuracy of this guy's statement, but I had a <clears throat> conversation with the driver of a yellow cab um, about two months ago. and um, uh, I've heard of those yellow cabs. What are they again? I forgot. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, well, and, and that was sort of his point was the fact that, <clears throat> you know, for years... Uh, you had yellow cabs and then you had the gypsy cabs and the gypsy cabs <clears throat> outside of Manhattan were sort of standard issue black sedan, you know, cars. Um, whereas uh, today, the quote unquote gypsies are primarily Uber, Lyft, Juno. I'm ha- I happen to be a big fan of Juno, uh, J-U-N-O. Uh, the... Um, and what this gentleman said, and I'm pulling, I'm, I know I'm quoting the numbers wrong anyway, so again, full disclosure, you know, but it was something like, he said there are 16,000 uh, yellow cabs in New York City, right? And then I said, well, how many, how many of the lime green cabs are there? And he said, well, they're a little different because they don't impact Manhattan the same way. Uh, they can only do business north of, you know, I think 96th on the west side, 86th or 96th on the east side, um, 110 on the west side, I think, and, and below Houston, I think it is. Um, uh, and then they can and they can't pick up. They physically are not able to turn on their meters in those areas in that wide swath of Houston up to 96th or 110. Again, I'm pretty sure I'm accurate with that. But so he didn't have the number on the lime green cabs, but he did tell me that there are six or eight times something like that. It was almost a hundred thousand um, 
black cars, you know, what used to be uh, sedans that, that were owned by the, the car services, you know, whether it was Carmel or any of the other car services out there. Um, and it, it's, it has completely tilted uh, the cab, uh, uh, you know, business. And then you have the ride sharing services. One of my, one of my colleagues uses Via uh, to share rides with people, that kind of a thing. I think uh, Uber Pool uh, is out there as well. So, you know, um, to your point around, you know, the technology is, is, is driving a lot of that. What, what sort of, and one of the things that's very interesting to me is, you know, uh, just as an individual, is, you know, what happens to people whose jobs are s- simply eliminated, you know, factory workers, uh, uh, you know, folks who are on, a, on, on an assembly line, for example, you know, largely those roles are getting replaced by automation. Um, a friend of mine, someone I would love to get on our uh, on this show, a guy called Dennis Mortensen, he has invented this platform that allows for uh, setting meetings uh, via email and not having to have an assistant and strictly having a virtual assistant, but not a person. It's strictly technology. Um, what do you see as the, the eventuality for that world? I mean, is that even a fair question to pose? Uh, to someone in your in your position, well, I think it's a very valid question, and I think I was one of the early adapters uh, in that technology. Uh, I travel a great deal. I remember uh, purchasing the first portable computer that that I could afford. It was five thousand dollars for a sharp computer, and uh, I bought the first laser printer in Arizona. I was on the waiting list, so I try to adapt the technology uh, frequently. It allowed me to. The portable computer allowed me, you got to go back 20, 30 years ago, it allowed me to travel all over the country. Um, I was doing strictly commercial financing, and I could just, you know, fly in, analyze a a hotel development, uh, come up with my proposal, and and issue, uh, you know, a commitment or a letter of intent for financing. So it was tremendous. And with the new technology, it just allows it for more people. Everyday people can be operating out of their home, out of their out of their cars, uh, and you don't even know. Um, it allows me, for example, to travel to three main cities that I'm at um, and address all my clients' needs. I would say 99% of the time, people have no clue where I am. Of course, when they, mm. when they do want to meet in, in person, I'm always there, or one of my associates is always there. So, you know, for those people that need that hands-on, personal touch in, in an office setting, in a conference room, you know, you can't escape that. That's extremely important. But for the everyday sure. communication, and uh, I, these are wonderful uh, services being developed through the technology in the technology community. Uh, a virtual assistant, phenomenal. Um, you know, I think I got rid of my last paralegal in California about five years ago, and wow. I haven't needed anyone since uh, because so much is available with the technology. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. It's remarkable. It's changing every. I think it's changing every line of business. It really is. And uh, sure. you know, I'm say, I'm stating the obvious. I mean, people know this every day, but I, <laughs> I, I think when you see it and you show the practical effects that it has on an individual business, you know, the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce is bringing forth these programs and offering them to other businesses to make sure that we're up to date. Uh, you know, I attend three seminars at least a quarter. Just keeping up with what, the changes in the law and technology, 
in what's going on uh, around the world. I think you, you just have to do that. No, it's true. It's it's very true. I I uh, I say this to my clients and and really anybody. I mean, you 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 know what's the line? Evolve or die. And um, you know, I, and and never more so that now than than ever. You know, for the fact that you know, if you do, if you don't uh, evolve, you're going to die even more quickly. <laughs> you know, right? And you know that begs the question: What are we going to look like in five years or ten years? Yeah. Uh, that's why innovation and and people being creative is so important yeah. uh, to imagine those things and to address those things and offer new services. I have no clue what will happen in five years. Can you imagine? Look how much we've yeah, changed sure. in five years. Sure. Uh, it's absolutely remarkable. So when that happens, I mean, we're, we're seeing changes in the legal community. You have things like LegalZoom.com, which is, uh, you know, it offers basic services for the everyday person, you know, how to incorporate a trademark or something like that. But it, it really lacks the personalized service. The whole thing about going to law school is uh, all the, the laws change with every mm. fact situation. And every individual has different facts and different, different circumstances. And we need to, we're, we're trained to address the laws that are going to affect that and in affect their future. Uh, and it really takes personalized attention to the client. And I, I, you know, so many clients today call up and they really have no clue what's involved or how technical or how specific something's involved. And you don't want to overwhelm them either. But at the same time, you know, when you're first meeting a, a new client, 90% of the time, you should be listening. To what they're saying, what their needs are, and I think we uh, we do that here at our law firm, and I think it helps us tremendously well, in the I, long term. Yes, of course, of course, clients. what the needs are, and and uh, you know, and it's it's funny. I was having this uh, uh, text message conversation with my friend um, uh, just last night, and you know, we were we were just sort of going back and forth about personal stuff like, you know, what's your favorite uh, Irish pub in Manhattan? Where do you know this place? Do you know that place? She's somewhat new to Manhattan. Um, and, uh, so I had, you know, I have my laundry list of favorite spots to hit and, uh, uh, we, uh, just sort of comparing notes. And, um, uh, she made the joke that a lot of people make, uh, you know, after we went through the laundry list, she said, uh, uh, <laughs> she said, uh, how are you? What do you, you know, what's going on? I sort of filled her out, filled her in. And I said, how are you? And she said, uh, no one, you know, no one listens, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I said, no, that's, that's, that's why I don't ask these. I'm one of the few people I actually want to know when I, when I tell someone, when I ask someone, you know, how are you? I want to know. I'm asking you for a reason. This isn't, uh, this isn't folly in my, in my, uh, case. And so to me, uh, listening to what people's needs are. I mean, that's what I do in my uh, in my day to day. Obviously, I'm sitting here listening to you tell me uh, about about Kant's law. So, uh, you know, listening is such an under uh, underrated skill, underappreciated skill. Um, you know. Well, you're right. You're right, Andrew. You know, we're we're bombarded with messaging everywhere we go. The technology. People, you know, sure. email me and then they sit by their computer and wait for an immediate response or they text you with uh, what they think is an urgent question. And, uh, you know, you have to listen, even though, and you have to drown out all those distractions and you have to close the doors, turn off your 
your, your cell phones, your computer, and you have to listen to the other human being of what's going on in that person's head sure. and what their, what their needs are. And I can see uh, that you do that extremely well. I really commend you for it. It is a lost art. Uh, but it's, I think it's needed even more so than ever because of the, the demands that we have and all the distractions we have. Well, and, and it, it, you, you've triggered a, a thought around this, you know, the whole, the whole reason that we are bombarded with these messages, whether it's, you know, I mean, one, one of the solutions that we offer at Reach Local is uh, geofencing, right? So we can, we can put an ad uh, around a very specific address and then we can target that address and, to your point, bombard uh, people who are at that address with uh, our clients' messages, right? The reason you do that is because people are "quote unquote" listening. They're open. They're they want to. They're unavoidably they are. So you know if you're if you're if you're bothering to endeavor in that, then you have to bother to endeavor to listen to. Uh, it's it's you know, uh, I I heard a I'll, I'll, I'll I heard a tremendous uh, poet, a guy called Ben Okri, uh, O O K R I. He was uh, being interviewed uh, on the radio in Ireland, and he very specifically talked about, uh, to this point, uh, he spoke about how um, listening is the most beautiful form of suffering um, because you, you are, you are uh, being vulnerable. Uh, you, are, you, you have nothing to say. You are not doing anything other than taking part in the other side of the conversation. He said it much more eloquently than I am right now um, in his London slash African accent, uh, really just beautifully stated. And to me, to your point, especially related to technology, uh, and then when you, when you, if, if you, if you take that and you extrapolate it out against the political backdrop that we're in, regardless of which side you're on, I don't care which side you're on or where, or, or where you sit in the political landscape, you still have to, um, you still have to listen. And we, we you know, we, we're in such a fevered pitch, uh, time, e- even taking politics out of it, even just related to, uh, um, sort of, you know, every day. But the, the reason that, um, uh, that, you know, media companies and the rest and, and advertisers, brands are, are doing the, the sort of work that they're doing is that people are built to listen, but they, you know, it's changed. The technology has changed us, that's for sure. Anyway, we, I think we've, I think we've ended up, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you know, that thing about uh, geofencing that you talked about, it reminded me of the, uh, you know, my, I'm of Greek uh, descent. My grandparents are all from the old country. And one of them, my grandfather, who I'm named after, Harry Kantz, uh, had, a, had a little diner, of course, a Greek diner in, uh, sure. <laughs> outside of Buffalo, New York, which is why we came to Buffalo, I guess. And he had this little trick, you know, it was downtown Buffalo and people were on the streets all the time. And what he did was he had the, you know, the grill was right by the window where people would walk by. And he had this fan that would go, it would extend up to the ceiling and then it would blow out uh, the heat or the the fumes from the grill onto the street. And what he did is at the bottom of it, he would put a little washcloth type of cloth and he would put bacon grease on it. And the bacon grease, the smell of bacon (laughs) would smell and waft into the streets. 
And that's got to be the earliest form of geofencing. That <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's, I'm going to use that story in every pitch that I give on geofencing. Make sure you uh, give my grandfather credit. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. That's that's hilarious. Now, and I have to ask, just because I have such a wackadoo French name, uh, was const was that shortened at any point? Was it yes. an Ellis Island job? Yes. <laughs> Actually, it's very funny. My my uh, daughter's boyfriend was just at Ellis Island taking his family a couple days ago, and I said, "Well, while you're there, can you look for my grandfather's name? Because when they were first building the monuments over there, mm. I paid some money to have them on there, and so." I wasn't sure if it was Const, the name that he changed to, or his original mm-hmm. name, which was Constantakis. And ah, so okay. uh, Lonnie, who's the, the, the friend, uh, sent me a picture, and it said, Harry Constantakis Cons. So I put both of those names in there. Oh, and, funny. And, uh, yeah, of course, you know, back then, you wanted to anglicize your kids. You wanted sure. them to uh, assimilate into American society, and so people were abbreviating their names. Whereas sure. today, I think it's just the opposite. In fact, my brother, George Konst, he's changed his name legally. He changed his name about 20 years ago back to Konstantakis. Oh, he wow. Tried, he tried to get me to do the same thing. And I said, you know, then dad's going to be like the lost generation. I can't yeah. So sure. I, I stuck to Konst. Well, and, and, and for what it's worth, and, and I, you know, I, I say to people, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I use my I use my last name Archambault as a uh, the butt of many many jokes. Um, Beautiful name. It's, it's French, isn't it? Right? It's very French. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> my favorite is when when folks say, "Oh, that's German, right?" And I I don't know what German you. And usually the name Andre <laughs> is the giveaway uh, about yeah. about the French bit, but. Uh, I, 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 uh, <clears throat> you know, it, and it's, it, you know, the, the, fina- the, it has been the bane of my existence because from the day, I mean, I, I can remember one of my earliest memories in this life is hearing my father, he traveled all the time and he would be on the phone with, you know, whatever airline, whatever travel agent, whatever, whatever it was, uh, credit card companies, uh, spelling out the name uh, A R C H I M as in Mary B as in boy A U D as in David, you know, yeah. to the point where it was somewhat of a script. And I, I, I have to, you know, it's sort of two sided in in my, um, uh, I wouldn't say in my defense, but you know, I, I, um, it's just such a wackadoo name. And 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 my, <clears throat> if if you Google me. Yeah, you will find that my entire online persona, if you will, is the phonetic spelling of my name, A-R-S-H-I-M-B-O. Because I I would say 10% of the time, maybe less, people nail the pronunciation. So I'm saying all of this to say, you might have dodged a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) You might have dodged a bullet, Harry, by not... (laughs) By by keeping it as const. I mean, const is, is unique enough. Uh, I still have to spell it out. N is in Nancy, you know, T is in Tom. How can we never have to do that for numbers? Seven yeah, is in yeah, seven. Is in seven. Um, you know, that's funny. Letters only, that's funny. So, so sort of circling all of this back to, to, to business, what are, the, what are the kinds of challenges that, that your clients are facing now more than ever 
uh, you know, with all of this technology that is coming along and the changes and all of the good and bad that's being generated, what are the sorts of things that, that you know, uh, our listeners here, uh, tips and tricks that, that they should be aware of um, in either forming their own startup or, 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 um, or even within their own, their own businesses existing, existing business or, or however, what are some of the things, what are some of the challenges that your uh, clients are running into these days? Well, I'll, I'll turn it around on you. I think the challenges for us to make sure that they understand uh, that, that there are risks involved. Be, I, I got to tell you, it's uh, starting a business is like getting married. Everyone's so excited. And, you know, who wants to do a prenup? Who wants to do an agreement? We love each other. You know, we believe in this idea as business people. We're, we're partners. Mm-hmm. I got to sure. tell you, partnership is the worst form of uh, forming a business. It's, unless you have a very good partnership agreement. But partnerships can be formed just by two people shaking a hand and, and walking in together and, and representing themselves as being together in a business. Sure. And as a result, you know, they equally share in the liabilities, even though one person may be causing all the damage to a company without noticing or without realizing it, that damage transfers over to the other partner just by virtue of partnership. And if there's no agreement to address those, but so that's just an, a little example of how things can go awry. Um, you don't want to quell people's excitement. Mm, you know, you, you sure. really want to encourage people to do things because, you know, it's a, it's a real downer to come in and go, oh, that's a stupid idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, of course. You, you can't say that. You can't tell them all the basic things they can go wrong. You really want to encourage people to, you know, be creative, to be excited about their new business. and. At the same time, address those things that can go wrong and do it in a nice way. And if you have a good relationship with the person and you're, you're listening, as I said earlier, to their needs and concerns, you want to make sure you address those. But at the same time, you want to follow up and make sure that they understand. You know, frequently they'll leave a meeting and they didn't hear anything you said. Well, because they're, they're talking about their business. Mm. Uh, so you, as a lawyer, we need to follow up and send like a confirming letter Say, hey, thanks for coming in. This is what we talked about. And just to reiterate, these are the issues that we think you should be addressing uh, if you're going to, you know, make sure that you create a, a sound business with a sound business plan and protect yourself for the future growth. Because just as two people get married, they don't anticipate getting a divorce. Nobody does. Yeah. I don't know very many people that do. <laughs> I guess they shouldn't be getting married if they, if they do. But uh, it's the same thing with business, starting a new business, whatever it's for, whether it's a restaurant, a high tech venture, you know, a a mom and pop store. It can be very simple. Uh, Those are the types of things that you want to encourage. And that's what makes this country great. The people who are going out and taking a risk and, you know, putting their personal issues aside to try to address the common goal, which is success of a business idea, concept of, you know, and a new venture. Sure. No, no, no. Of course. So, what, what, what kinds of, um, what kinds of challenges uh, uh, are you seeing in your sort of day to day that that folks and and let's let's take the partnership piece out of it. You know, if 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 someone is coming to you and saying, you know, I'm I'm you know. Um, Get, again, not to necessarily lay it back against the political backdrop, but but you know, I mean, it is it is a much more challenging business um, 
uh, atmosphere than it's ever been. As, as we noted earlier, you know, it is evolve or die more so than ever. You know, what are the, what are the, what are the challenges that, the, uh, that, that your clients are coming to you guys with that, that they need answers to as a result, or maybe not even directly as a result of the technology, but just as, you know, um, <clears throat> it's almost like life you know, business strikes me as like whack-a-mole. You know, uh, you, you put one problem down in the hole and then another problem comes up and, you know, so <clears throat> in other words, just because you've got better technology uh, for your website, for example, uh, or uh, you've got a better CRM than you used to or that you, whatever it is, uh, just because that's answered doesn't mean that another question is not going to come up. Uh, it's like a, it's like a chain reaction almost to some degree. Do you know what I mean? So that said, you know, what kinds of things are your clients and more importantly, what kinds of issues are you helping sort uh, um, through with your clients? The, the, the kinds of things when someone if someone hears this and says, you know, I want to I want to bring my business to uh, to the cons law firm. What uh, what kinds of things would they what's the wheelhouse? Well, um I think that if I were to give any piece of advice to a new client, it would be plan for uncertainty. Now, I don't know how you can do that by just making that statement and, and show people uh, what kind of things uh, to be uncertain about or to be unsure of, but be realistic. I'll give you an example of a product. Someone starts a new product, it creates an idea, they protect it, they get the trademark, the copyright, and they protected their idea. And then they go into production, design and production phases. And guess what? You better make your money in, in, in a year and a half because someone is going to go overseas and steal that idea. They're going to make a few changes to it. They're going to bypass your protections. And it's going to be done by someone who's very capable of doing it. You know, you may be a startup with no experience whatsoever, but you know what you're doing with this particular product. And your competitor can be mm. out there and could be a, a huge company that has a hundred of these products and knows exactly how to come in, make changes, and take advantage. I mean, there were these two Israeli guys in San Diego. You know those little car covers, uh, the, the car windshield covers? Uh, well, they're yeah, sure. made out of paper and they unfold uh, inside your windshield. And it was just to protect against the sun. Sure. Well, these two Israeli guys thought of it, that idea a long time ago. And they made some money, but the moment that it was on the market, uh, at, at the time it was these Chinese companies. They they would come in, almost a hundred different versions of it, and bypass, and they flooded the market. The Israelis, they made their money within the first nine months that they were going to make, and then they kind of petered off after that. They couldn't keep up with the competition. Uh, they were being sold underpriced. Yeah. So when you're developing a new business, yeah. a new idea, you have to you have to plan. For uncertainty don't let it get you down try to be flexible and be realistic sure. and uh you know go with the flow uh make your changes to have an attorney or a or your banker or an accountant uh easy access to those people and to be able to call them up from time to time and just say hey i got this problem is there any way we can address that what we do here at our firm is we allow people to email us with the questions you know again i gotta remind, right. remind people don't email me and sit by the computer and wait for a response. You know, I, sure. I address emails once a day and it's at the end of the day and it may not come back to you for another day or two. But that's an opportunity sure, to, you know, when you're, in a, when you're a client of our firm is to 
articulate what your problem is or your concerns. And frequently it's just hand-holding. And you say, oh, no, no, it'll be okay. There, there, there. You know what I mean? But in legal place. Sure. <laughs> in legal. Yeah, of course. But so, in Latin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Um, so, to, to, you know, and it's funny, you mentioned protection. I'm reminded to me one of the uh, modern day, and it's not so modern anymore, but uh, uh, as a college kid, I lived in Boston. Um, and uh, the story was, I, I can't remember the name of, the, of the, the Woolen Mills company. It was in Worcester, I think. Uh, and it was a company, they, they had effectively invented uh, polar fleece and polar tech technology, right? Now, I, funny enough that I would use the name, the brand name Polar Tech, um, because the folks at whoever actually founded Polar Tech, they effectively took the the idea for um, uh, Polar Tech from the this woolen mills company in in Worcester. I think it, again, I think it was Worcester, um, and uh, and basically ran with it because they they hadn't they hadn't protected it. Uh, they hadn't protected the the um, I mean the the blend of I mean you know you and I I'm guessing are both old enough to remember um, uh, you know a, a life before polar fleece you know uh, these guys these guys invented polar fleece and they didn't do their job in protecting and so in their case they still did okay. Uh, but they they would have done monumentally better had they really protected and then been able to license um, the, uh, the the blend of wool or, or whatever the uh, fabric is that makes polar fleece polar fleece. You no, know, it, it's interesting. I here in Buffalo, there's a restaurant uh, called Picasso's Pizza, and uh, they're my clients. And one of the things that happened to Picasso's Pizza was that they were sued by the estate of Pablo Picasso. And there was a big federal case, and wow. uh, they won. Uh, Picasso's Pizza won. And as a result, uh, they own that name, and as a result, they have to go out there and protect their copyright and their trademark by enforcing it and not sure. allowing people to, for example, get it in what's called the public domain, you know, like Kleenex, for example. Right. Is in the public domain, you can use that name, and you can refer to it for toilet tissue now, right? Sure. Isn't that the case? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what most people do. Yeah, Xerox, case in point. Yeah, you have to. You know, I have a daughter in, in New York, and that really is what drew me there about five or six years ago. I manage, okay. her, I manage her career. She's a political analyst. She appears on CNN and Fox TV, and she's a very progressive person, one of the spokespeople for Bernie Sanders when he was running. Okay. Uh, and, he, and she addresses the millennials a great deal. Um, you know, she's really a, a spokesperson when Bernie Sanders came to Long Island City in New York it, and, and he was surrounded by what they said was a hundred thousand people it was my daughter who introduced him to the crowd so she has, oh, wow. she has that career that that huge career and she she had her uh, own serious XM radio show at night and what I do basically is uh, quote unquote I manage her career which comes down to you know, I get her in and out of contracts, in and out of contracts. Mm. Uh, it took months to negotiate the contract with Sirius. And after about nine months, she said, look, I got another opportunity. Dad, can you get me out of the contract? But do me a favor. I need to get along with Sirius. So be nice. You know, <laughs> I, I want to go back there. So mission accomplished. You know, we sure. did that. And But it's very exciting to be able to hang out with the youth 
I go to events with her where she's a speaker. She flies all over the world. And it's great to see the millennials because those are her, her people, her peeps. Sure, and sure, sure. I, and it, gets, it gives me a great opportunity to stay in touch with that generation and to understand where they're coming from. And get, those are the leaders in technology right now. They're the ones – they're going to be taking over our country's leadership politically also in the next five years. They'll probably be the majority at that point. Yeah, but sure. Politics aside, um, it, it's a great opportunity you know, for an older guy like myself <laughs> to stay in tune with with these with uh, different segments of the population, you know, I I relate very well with the elderly. You know, I know <laughs> what the because because I'm feeling those aches and pains myself. You know, every sure. morning when I'm in the gym, I can feel it a lot harder to get going in the morning. You know, sure. no, of but course. you have to you have to relate to your client. Uh, a good attorney takes the time to listen and understand what they're going through. And because the world is changing so rapidly, different people are reacting differently to them. And um, I think that's the whole purpose of uh, my being a lawyer and our firm addressing our needs is to help people, which is originally, it may sound corny. No, but, I, uh, I don't think it's corny at all. Why are we in it? We like to help people. I got a tremendous feeling when I help people. I guess I would leave it, when you give Kant's Law a call, you're going to be sure that that the attorney on the other end is going to address who you are, what you're looking for, and make sure that everything's properly done to represent you and your needs. Well, listen, this has been a really great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us, Harry. Andre, it was fantastic. They really picked the right person. You're going to do fantastic interviewing uh, new businesses and other businesses and showing them how we can interact with each other for the betterment of uh, all business and society. Oh, thanks so much for that, Harry. I re- really, really appreciate it. Again, that was Harry Konst, managing partner of Konst Law. Thanks so much for being here with us today, Harry. Also, thanks to you for listening. The opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Again, my name is Andre Archambault, and this has been the Voice of Manhattan Business. Have a great week, everybody.